Last time on Improv Tabletop, our heroes Gregory Morton Orville, the captain, along with his crew, Talon the Obedient Servant, and Sue the Polar Bear, they made it into this bunker area that had been spoken of in this cryptic journal. They made it through the doors, and as they headed down the hallways, they eventually found themselves into an area where the traumas of their past took physical form. They each were faced with an individual from the past who had harmed them, or whom they had harmed in some way, and had to fight against those physical manifestations of their regrets. But after doing so, they managed to make their way further into a large cavern where seemingly tons and tons of pirates who uh, have gathered in this place are beginning to turn into candy themselves. And upon speaking to Captain Rhubarb Beard discovered that Desert Island is purgatory for all pirates, that you have died and you are in the afterlife. But with the help of the other people who have gathered here, he is planning on leading a massive armada out of Purgatory, away from Desert Island, and back into the land of the living. So, will our heroes be able to make it out of the afterlife and back to the lives they once knew? Let's find out here in the world of Desert Island. What's shaking, everybody? You're listening to Improv Tabletop, the Fate RPG actual play where we make up everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Evan Peterson. I'm just here to have a good time. Uh, Christian Randall, the powerhouse of the cell. And McKenna Steele, thinking about what's for dinner. Speaking of dinner, at the end of our last episode, uh, you were having a feast to celebrate uh, the mission that you had ahead of you to kind of lift your spirits and fill your bellies and give you the energy to set forth. But now that you've finished this feast, you have a ship that has been granted to you by Captain Rhubarb Beard that you can outfit to your own desires. And this is the ship that you will be using as you try to escape from Desert Island back into the land of the living. So we're going to, as a group, create some aspects for your ship. Captain Gimo, uh, you being the one who's going to be at the helm of this vessel, what is something that you want to make sure your ship has? Well, I want to see if I can go ahead and trade or use up my special talent, my very rare and powerful skill to genetically modify the ship a little bit. All right, so you've got the framework, the rigid structure being made of pixie sticks, and then stretched over that fruit roll-up to give it its buoyancy. So yeah, what kind of modification do you want to make with this ability? I want to try and genetically modify my fruit roll-ups because we all know there's gotta be some sort of plant or maybe animal in there. It's it's food, we eat it. Os- ostensibly there's fruit in fruit roll-ups. <laughs> And I want to try and add gumball cannons. Gumball cannons. All right. So, yeah, you start kind of crafting these bits of fruit roll up into these sturdy tubes uh, that will be able to withstand an explosion of uh, some fun dip powder that you put in there and then light on fire. So, yeah, go ahead and roll to create an advantage. We'll have you do that cleverly, let's say, but since you're using your stunt, you can get a free boost on that. Can I get another boost to it? Um, I would like to do the intolerant scallywag as I'm setting it up and I'm licking my finger and getting the right flavor going. I I just am completely intolerant to the the flavors chosen for this, so I will 
give myself a boost to the change. So you're going to uh, invoke that aspect. Uh, do you want to reroll or add a plus two? Add a plus two. All right. And so with the free boost from your stunt, what does that bring you up to? A plus five. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you have succeeded with style. So that is going to give you two free invokes on these gumball cannons that you've created. Talon, uh, you've had probably the second most experience of being on a ship. What does Talon want to make sure the ship has before you head out? I'm going to go through and replace and actually kind of like almost rebuild a good chunk of the ship to make sure that we're using sugar-free candy so Sue's not tempted to eat it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Go ahead then and roll to create an advantage carefully. Um, that is only a plus one. All right, so that is going to be a regular success, one free invoke on this aspect of your ship, and we're going to call that aspect Stevia. Okay. All right, so you have successfully replaced the uh, regular sugars in here with a nice zero-calorie sugar uh, that could potentially make your boat a little bit lighter. Let's go to Sue. What kind of modification would you like to make to the ship here? Okay, so the main mast of the ship, I'm going to add some like pretty easy either pegs or holes in it to make climbing up to the crow's nest easier. Um, And like, you know, kind of modifying the crow's nest to give the best visibility that we have to see what's coming around us. All right, so yeah, making sure that you'll be able to move a little more carefully on the sea, move carefully around the ship. So go ahead and roll to create an advantage carefully. I would like to invoke the rock climbing instructor to re-roll that. All right, yeah, you'll use your boost from a couple episodes back. Yeah, go ahead and do that re-roll then. Okay, good, it was bad. Okay, so that's just a plus three. All right, that is success with style. Okay, good. So, yep, you're going to get two free invokes on this aspect, and we're just going to call this aspect maneuverability. Ned, one more thing. Uh, This isn't meant to be an aspect to help us, but I would like to create a flag that is based on the old English Jolly Roger skull and crossbones but with a hard candy and two Jolly Ranchers as the bones. <laughs> oh man, I'll give you a fake point for that because it makes me happy. Thank you. <laughs> and I think that's probably a really good name for this ship, the Jolly Rancher. That is a very good name for this ship. That's that's exactly what I was thinking, but I had to uh, poison the well by making sure we all knew what the Jolly Roger was first. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, good old subtlety. Okay, so you guys have done a pretty good job outfitting your ship here, and all around you people are starting to load up their cargo, starting to get their equipment ready as they begin getting onto their ships. And before you guys finalize your preparations to leave, Captain Rhubarb Beard walks up to you, and uh, he's got kind of a solemn look on his face, and he puts an arm around all of you. Uh, We're not going to worry about how that works with there being three of you and he only having two arms, but he puts his arms around all of you, and he says, My new friends, I must warn you, just as there were manifestations of your greatest regrets that tried to hinder your way to arrive at this cavern, 
out upon the sea will be even greater and more terrible manifestations that will try to stop you, that will try to keep you here in the afterlife. Your sins do not want you to move forward, but redemption is possible if you can fight them. I'd like to stab Captain Gimo in the chest with an EpiPen because the rhubarb's probably killing him again. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you very much. Oh, I am terribly sorry. I keep forgetting that you're so intolerant. I should be more tolerant of your intolerance. The only... <clears throat> My mother always said the only thing that can't be tolerated is intolerance. It was hurtful to hear, but uh, necessary. <laughs> a wise individual your mother surely was. What a good cookie. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Yes, she was. That, she really was. That's, that wasn't necessary, Sutha. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So you guys, uh, you climb up onto the ship here and you can see everybody else on their ships and there are bells that are starting to be rung. These bells are made out of like various hollow types of candy. You've got like some baby bottle pops that people have added clappers into. You've got hollow uh, Easter bunnies that are clanging around. So all of these very different sorts of clanging noises as the bells just start going up and you see Captain Rhubarb Beard gets onto the largest of the ships and stands at the very prow above the area where the figurehead is. And it's this lovely mermaid that appears to be crafted completely out of just some Laffy Taffies that have been sculpted almost like Play-Doh. And he pulls out his sword and points it off towards that entrance that leads out into the Root Beer Sea. And he turns towards all of you and says, Forward the bluffs, today we die or we stay dead. And uh, the sails are let loose and begin to catch the wind that has apparently been blowing in this cave the entire time. And you begin to sail out into the root beer sea. And you guys are kind of towards the back of the cavern. So you see one by one ships slipping through this channel as they begin making it out and you guys have just a few more moments before you exit into the root beer sea yourselves into the horrible storm that's outside. I'm going to uh, reach into my bag and I'm going to pull out my delicate, small, but masculine parasol and hold it up to keep the flakes off of me because I don't want to go into anaphylactic shock. All right, so with these final moments, you steal yourselves, grit your teeth, and then eventually you, the final ship, passes through the channel and you can feel the sugary sea air spraying across your faces and you get outside and it's this massive flurry of white flakes in the air all around you and the ships are moving up over the cresting waves. The carbonation is especially heavy today and there are bubbles just coming up from beneath, creating these massive waves as you guys are sailing across them. And you have begun your adventure back towards the land of the living. I take my jacket off and wrap my cat up in it and find him a safe place to, to hide. Yeah, there's up near the base of the mizzen mast. You notice that Sue, in addition to putting some nice pegs there, made a nice little sort of hovel shelter area. So you put your cat into there little pat on the head and it gives you kind of a confused little meow and looks at you as it cocks its head to the side in the way that cats do. You'll be safe here, buddy. Just give us a little time. 
All right. So as you begin moving out further into the ocean, you can hear voices calling from the other ships and everybody's trying to stay as close together as they can. But you notice that some people towards the edges invariably like a massive carbonation bubble will come up from beneath and explode on the surface and kind of shoot one ship further off towards the side. And one by one, ships kind of start peeling away from the main group and start getting lost on the root beer sea. So I'm going to need uh, Captain Gmo, you being the one at the helm, go ahead and roll to try and stay on course with the rest of the crew. Um, what does that look like for you? So I stand proud at the helm, parasol held between two fingers uh, above my head, and I, I put the other hand in my breast pocket, or my, my, my uh, you've seen that painting of Napoleon. You know, all the old paintings, they, they always had one hand in their jacket for some reason. Um, I go ahead and I make that classic pose, and I look down at my crew and I say, all right, you're the finest crew I ever sailed with. Apparently, I died with you once, and I'd be proud to die with you again. But today's not that day. We will make it through this. We will survive. And then I want to jump up, just standing leap onto the top of the wheel, and just, like, walk the steering wheel left and right as I... It's not a steering, it's a helm. What am I saying? Walk the helm left and right as I'm giving my speech to keep us on course. Jeez, Christian, you were starting to sound like a landlubber there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you give this wonderful rousing speech. Uh, I, I've heard tell, I'm not entirely sure if this is true, but I've heard tell that the reason why Napoleon kept his hand inside of his jacket was he had mites or something like that that were infesting his hand. So I imagine your hand is just like swollen from your allergic reaction. <laughs> so you're just like hiding it in your jacket, uh, but you still give a very powerful, impactful, and rousing speech, and the rest of your crew feels pretty inspired, or I guess we'll see how inspired they feel when you roll to overcome Flashily. Plus three. All right, so yeah, you looking out into this gale, you are unfazed by the various unexpected sort of roadblocks that come up. You navigate your way around the bursting carbonation bubbles. You keep yourself close to Captain Rhubarb's ship there, and you manage to keep yourself with the rest of the group instead of veering off away into the ocean and becoming lost. But after a while, it's just you and Captain Rhubarb Beard. You're the only two ships that are left in the armada here. And Captain Rhubarb Beard calls to you from the next ship over and he says, We have not yet seen any apparitions, but I believe they will appear soon. We must be on our guard. I will be careful. Sue, you get on the cannons. Talon, you know what to do. Swab those decks. Yes, of course, sir. And I'm going to start scooping root beer from the ocean into the ship to get the, the decks nice and sticky and sugary, undoing all the hard work I did to make sure they were sugar-free. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got this nice sort of, I guess, roll to create an advantage then. And since you're using your uh, broom staff here, I'll let you do that carefully. Okay, that's going to be plus three. Plus three. All right. So in addition to the maneuverability that you've got, you've also got a nice tactile surface that makes it easier to stay on the boat and hopefully not get tossed overboard. So I'm going to call this aspect 
movie theater floor. Oh, that's perfect. And I'm getting uncomfortable flashbacks to when I worked at a movie theater. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll say for each broom full of soda that I dunk in and bring in the ship, I'll dunk the broom and just like uh, sweep it across Sue's tongue a couple times. Thank you. So after a while, you've been sailing just the two ships and there's kind of a lull in the storm, it seems. And everything kind of goes a bit quieter. And you can tell that Captain Rhubarb Beard is very much on edge. He's scanning the horizon. And then abruptly from the other side of his ship from where you are, you, you guys are currently on the starboard side from port on the other side of Captain Rhubarb's ship. Something comes up from beneath the surface and you can see the bulk of this creature root beer cascading off of its person as it rises up just this massive kaiju like beast and as the root beer sufficiently drains off that you're able to see what it is you see a very large figure of a woman that also has pirate gear that she's wearing and captain rhubarb beard looks up at here and says Victoria, I am so sorry that I had to let you go at the port, but we could not bring you with us. You were too much of a liability. I loved you with all my heart. Please believe me. And uh, this figure looks down and says, You men never change, and pulls out a massive sword from her side. And Captain Rhubarbeard just looks towards you all and says, My greatest regret has come back to bite me. And we are going to enter into a bit of a conflict here. So to make this a little bit more exciting, there's another rule that I'm going to steal from Fate Condensed uh, for this upcoming encounter. And that's something that they call scale. Uh, The idea being that there are kind of different degrees of power of beings out there in the world where your average adventurer or average enemy that you're fighting against might be mundane. You might be up against a supernatural force or an otherworldly force. And so as you guys are fighting against Victoria here, she's a pretty supernatural kind of force, just this large imposing creature. So she is going to get uh, before every one of her rolls a plus one to each of those because she's one level of scale higher than you guys. Pretty intimidating visage here. Oof. So, based on the story, I am going to give Victoria the first strike. She pulls out that massive sword and is just going to bring it down on Captain Rhubarb Beard's ship forcefully to see how she can try and kind of wreck it asunder and gets a plus five. Captain Rhubarb Beard is going to try and dodge the ship out of the way quickly. Well, he gets a plus one, unfortunately. So that sword kind of cleaves down and gashes a big old chunk out of the side of Captain Rhubarb Beard's ship. And you can see that there's an area where the root beer is starting to kind of breach into the hull. And now that Victoria is finished, we're going to turn that over to Captain Rhubarb Beard. He's going to turn to the crew members on the ship and uh, begin steering the broadside of the ship towards Victoria. And he's just going to shout out, fire! And so they're going to attack forcefully with their cannons, getting a plus six. Victoria is going to try and defend quickly to dodge out of the way and only gets a plus four. So that is two stress that is going to be dealt to Victoria. I know it's not our turn, but can we use a free invoke on our gumball cannons to add two to their cannon attack? Or does it have to be our turn? Let me rack my brain real quick. 
Since the gumball cannons are on your ship, I don't think uh, narratively it would make as much sense until it becomes your turn uh, that you would be able to use that. Okay. But uh, you guys can definitely use those to your advantage because Captain Rhubarb Beard is going to turn the initiative over to Captain Gmo. I'm going to look at Captain Rhubarb Beard and sigh in resignation. And then I'm going to look down to Talon and say, You know how you felt about Jim. That's how I feel about all other captains. But do you know what the difference is between you and me? I am a captain. And I'm going to grab a rope and swing off and go defend the man I hate. All right. And I'm going to try to swing from a rope and pull out my cutlass and, like, run it along the cheek of her face or something uh, to get a gash in. Yeah, so you grab the rope, this big old licorice whip, and you start running along and you catch some nice air as the ship hits a wave and kind of goes over. And so you go flying upright towards her in a very flashy sort of maneuver. So roll to attack flashily. She's going to try and defend cleverly to see if she notices you coming. That is a plus four. And she got a plus three, so you have succeeded by one. Can I use the intolerant scallywag? where I may not like other captains, but I will not let anyone disrespect that office but myself, so I can get a boost when I attack her. All right, yeah, so you spend one of your fate points and you can get a plus two on that, bringing it to a plus three uh, with three shifts of stress that you're going to deal to her. That is the plan then. All right, yeah, so you go in along the side, big ol' slice up her face, and definitely looking quite a bit rougher than she was at the beginning of this encounter here. Uh, Captain Gmo, who would you like to go next? As I swing back towards the ship uh, on the rope, I look down at Talon and I say, Now show me what you can do! And I look back with resignation and sigh and say, You're not the only captain here. And I'm going to run up and uh, grab the helm and like spin it so that we kind of do like a water drift sideways and then sprint down the side of the ship myself pulling the plugs on the cannons to light their fuses and blast her with our cannons. All right, so you're taking a, a page out of your captain's flashy book here, I'm thinking. So go ahead and roll to attack flashily. Uh, would I get uh, an invoke on our cannons? So normally you can only spend a fate point on an aspect once to get a bonus, but you can pile on as many free invokes as you would like. Okay, so I'm going to re-roll that because I got the rare minus four. Ooh, man. Uh, perfect. It's going to use one of our free invokes. And then the second roll, I got uh, plus two. And uh, we'll say as I was looking at um, the captain and before I did my big move, I looked back at my cat and can I get plus two for I die for my cat if I spend a fate point? Sure. So that's a total of plus four. All right. She rolled a plus two to defend. So you have two shifts against her and that's going to deal two stress. So she's going to take a mild consequence. As the gumballs go flying towards her, two of them lodge perfectly over her eyes and just splat there, this big old goop across her face. So she is going to gain the mild consequence temporarily blinded. And has she already had her turn this round? Yeah, so Sue is the only one left who hasn't had a turn yet this round. I'm going to use my microchip zapper, thinking that maybe it's she's damaged enough that it would work. Yeah. 
So while she was very hardy at the beginning of this and might have been able to resist your kind of psionic powers a bit easier, she's definitely very kind of off guard at the moment. So I'll say roll to overcome carefully as you try and send out these brain waves to zap her out of existence. Can I do invoking of movie theater floor to help kind of plant my feet a little bit better and steady myself? and add a plus two to that. Yeah, so you use up one of those free invokes there. Mm-hmm. Um, which would make it a plus four. Plus four, nice. So yeah, you just start pulsing out these mind waves in the direction of Victoria, and you see like she's just reached up and clawed one of the gumballs away from one of her eyes to try and get a better look at what's going on, and she raises the sword up over her head, and as she does, suddenly... She poofs out of existence, and that sword just kind of spins in midair for a moment. I'm going to roll a flat, just kind of luck check, as it were, to see what happens with the sword. And it does not slam into Captain Rhubarb Beard's ship. It kind of falls off to the side and sinks down beneath the waves. The greatest challenge yet to face. Drink up, young lad, drink up. A token of the soul's disgrace Drink up, young lad, and sing But what will rear its ugly head Drink up, young lass, drink up To keep us in the land of dead Drink up, young lass, and sing Slicing through the bubbling foam Our course is set for home, sweet home Fill your mug in the breaking waves We'll toast the root beer sea this day Captain Rhubarb Beard turns towards you and shouts out, Oh, goodness gracious, thank you kindly. My ship might not be able to last too much longer, but hopefully we can make it through whatever apparition is going to appear to remind you of your greatest regrets. Aye, we need to stick together when out on these seas. And Captain Rhubarb Beard goes and he begins attempting to repair that gash in the side of his hull so he doesn't take on Rhubarb too quickly. But you continue on a little bit further uh, into this gale as the coconut continues to fly across your vision. Um, is there anything that you guys would like to do with kind of your last moment of peace before you run into whatever apparition is waiting for you guys? I want to cuddle my cat. Um, I'm going to eat the rest of my cookies and then like one small bite off like the stairs to the upper deck to just, you know, like how they say, clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. Clear eyes, full stomach, can't lose is my motto, everybody. It's definitely gonna be sweet at first from the root beer, but you're gonna get that diet fake sugar flavor coming in. (laughs) That's disgusting. So you guys continue along the way and you've got your eyes scanning the horizon at every turn, waiting to see what's out there. And then finally, you see off in the distance directly in front of you, this dark shape kind of beginning to loom in front of you. And it is massive. This very tall, otherworldly bulk that you can see starting to appear through the flurry of shaved coconut in front of you. 
and the closer you get, you eventually start to hear a sound on the wind that is being drawn towards you, and you hear a voice, and the voice calls out, Well, 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 what have we here? (gasps) Jim, Jimmy, Jim, Jim, Bob, Jim, boy. I knew he'd never leave us alone. He represents all of our biggest regrets. Probably poetic or something, but I gotta be honest, I always thought that I, you know, was happy he's gone, but secretly I felt guilty. Why did you feel guilty? Why should you have need to feel guilty about your friend's death? You're right, it was a freak accident. I had nothing to do with it. Oh, I don't know if that's true. Oh, Talon, you sweet summer babe, you. Your assumptions that I didn't know what you did, thinking that I couldn't tell that you resented me the whole time. I'm a little bit of a brighter knife in the oven than you thought I was. Jim, I guess we'll see this done here once and for all. Oh, won't we ever... And as he says that, you see the face loom out of uh, the flurries of coconut, and he's grinning like, uh, so another cultural reference. Are you familiar with the anime Attack on Titan? Oh. <laughs> another horrible thing to say. Uh, I've never seen it, but I've seen the Titans, and I don't like what you're saying. Yeah, so like this unnerving rictus grin across his face as you begin approaching closer with your ship, and Captain Rhubarb Beard turns towards you and says, Okay, your greatest regrets suck a lot worse than mine, just throwing it out there. <laughs> Talon, did you really kill him on purpose? Well, to be fair, I didn't think it would actually kill him. I just thought he'd get like a blast of hot soda or something. Well, I'm proud of you either way. You did well. Let's end this together. <laughs> I'm standing right here. <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into this final encounter here. Um, I think, Captain Gmo, that was a pretty good retort you had there, that not for long. I'll give you the first turn. Again, I'm going to look at Talon and realizing that maybe we're not so different, he and I. Maybe he does have some captain material in him after all. I'm going to, again, tie a rope around my waist, and I'm just going to dive headlong into the root beer and try and go underneath and, like, swim around his legs to make him trip. All right. Roll to create an advantage flashily, and he's going to try and defend against that. Uh, As far as the scale that you're working with here, whereas Victoria was a supernatural Jim is otherworldly, so he's got a couple um, degrees of scale on you guys. That's going to be a plus two on top of his regular modifiers. All right. Um, Can I... What is it called when you hurt yourself? Uh, Yeah, you can (laughs) compel yourself. Yes, I would like to compel myself with allergic to most things. Um, And as I dive into the root beer, my eyes start to swell and get itchy and everything. Uh, So I give myself a, is it automatic failure when you do that or a minus something? Generally, that would be a compel to probably fail at the attempt that you're making, but you do get a free fate point for that. Gotcha. I'm going to compel myself to fail. The roll itself was a plus one. Mm, Jim did get a plus five. Oh! So yeah, you get down there and you're trying to wrap this around his legs to try and trip him up, uh, but your eyes start puffing up. 
and you claw your way back up to the surface of the foam and you gasp for breath and you're peering at him through your puffy eyelids and he kind of looks down at you and says, Well, what have we here? Oh, I got the captain on a string, sitting on a rainbow. And he begins kind of reaching down towards you. And I scream out, Look out! He's attacking! And the Titan is going to attack on Captain. Um, <laughs> so he's going to reach down and try to just grab you and kind of squeeze you. So he's going to attack forcefully. Um, flailing about, I'm going to try and just bite his hand to make him let go. Yeah, so let's have you defend forcefully as well then. That is a minus two. He got a plus three. Oh, that really hurts. So, yeah, he grabs you and he's just kind of crushing you in his grip, bringing you up kind of level with his face. And he looks down at you and says, Who's top deck material now, Captain? And you're going to take five stress. I take it all. All right. So you've got your three consequences left and one regular stress. And after that, Jim is going to turn the initiative over to Sue. In Sue's stomach, she has a variety of feelings going on in her, you know, stomach gut area. One of them is indigestion, and the other is we probably can't win, but maybe if we apologize and try and mend the bond between us and try and calm him down and make him feel good and happy and that we're sorry, that he would be okay and we would be okay and then he would let us pass and then maybe that's why all the other sailors all disappeared because they tried to fight their regrets instead of coming to terms and mending them. And so I'm going to yell out to Captain and Talent and say, guys, 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 I think we need to probably apologize for what we did because it was really, really mean. Um, and I think we need to make Jim feel a little bit better about the fact that we were so mean to him. And so I'm gonna go up and climb up the crow's nest and yell out, Jim, I'm sorry. You deserve better. We shouldn't have been mean to you. Please, please, please forgive us. All right, so you are kind of attacking the stoniness surrounding his heart. And, I mean, this is probably a pretty careful thing that you're doing amongst all the other ways that you could be handling the situation. So go ahead and attack carefully, and his stony heart is going to try and defend forcefully. Uh, can I use the maneuverability since I used that, since I climbed up the crow's nest? Can I use that to add? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so it'll be a plus five. Plus five, he got a plus three. And so as your words carry out across the air through the falling coconut, you see Jim kind of stumble back a little bit. Uh, he's still holding on to Captain Gimo, but he kind of shrinks somewhat. And he is no longer an otherworldly threat. He is now a supernatural threat. He has decreased one in his scale. And I look down at Talon and I say, Talon? You know what you have to do, okay, buddy boy? And I look up kind of stone-faced and say, I need to help my captain. And I walk down to the little nook and carefully take my cat out of my coat and I open it up and see that my last EpiPen has turned into sour spray. And I look <laughs> out at my captain and I look at the cat and I go, Jim, 
I was just jealous because you were better at this than me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to kill you. But I shouldn't have even been trying to do anything to you. You were more deserving of being first mate than I was. All right. And just like with Sue, roll to attack his stony heart carefully. That is a plus four. We got a plus two this time. So once again, with those two shifts of stress, you see him start to shrink down a little bit more from being a supernatural threat to being a mundane threat. And uh, I'm going to uh, look over to the other ship and say, Captain Rhubarbeard, don't engage. Just let our captain speak. And I turn and say, if your throat's still open, you should say something to him, Captain Gimo. Uh, my eyes are swollen. My throat is swollen. I dropped my very masculine parasol and the coconut is getting in my face. Jim himself is a horrible, horrible diuretic. And so when I bit him, I'm in big trouble now. Um, I don't think I've ever heard of a human being described as diuretic before. Well, if anyone was, it was going to be Jim. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> So I, I, I assume now he's more just holding me in kind of like a bear hug. Yeah, so he's still abnormally large as kind of this manifestation of your regret, but he's a much more manageable size at this point. And so I'm sitting there just going into all sort of shock and pain and bodily functions. And I look back at my crew and I look at the other captain and I realize maybe I shouldn't be the captain. Maybe I've trained my crew well enough now that they don't need a captain. And so I look back at Jim and I spit in his face and I'm going to try and kick my way out. Roll to overcome forcefully. Plus two? He also gets a plus two. And I croak out, they're too good for you, Jim. I know you played on their weaknesses too. Don't act so big. So you succeed then at a minor cost. You manage to break your way out of his grasp but you are above the water at this point. You fall down into the crashing suds of the root beer and you feel it kind of encroaching over you, beginning to pull you down with it. And you can feel it entering into your ears and into your mouth. And Jim looks down at you and he says, I was always ready to give you a chance, but I guess some people belong in purgatory and he watches you as you sink down, down, down. Is Jim God? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe not that far, but you know what? He grows a pair of wings, and he's an angel. And he... uh, He, wow, this is taking a turn. He turns towards uh, Sue and Talon still on the deck, and he now, kind of an angel of justice, flaps his way up over the surface of the boat, and he says, The purpose of Limbo is to see what you will do with yourself after you realize the error of your ways. Some do not find the answer. And he just looks solemnly at the waves as a final bubble kind of bursts to the surface with Captain Gimo's hat riding atop of it. But then he turns back towards you two and says, But some people figure out what living is really about. While you're dead, you discovered what it means to live. And he puts his hands together and kind of bows his head and a radiant light surrounds him. And he says, As the final challenge, standing between you and the living world, as the final arbiter to decide what should be done with your fate, 
I grant you two clemency, but Captain Gmo stays because he sucks. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Talon, don't disagree with him. He could take us back. No, of course. He's uh, he's absolutely right. And uh, Talon, you feel something against your leg and you notice your cat has come out of the hiding place and begun to kind of uh, rub itself up against your legs. And Jim looks down and he says, Well, the way is clear. And he claps and you see behind him the falling uh, shavings of coconut part so that there's just this corridor of light ahead of you. And he gives a nod and smiles and he flaps off into the sky as harp music plays from some undisclosed location. And then eventually he disappears into the whiteness above you. Talon, you okay? Um, was, was Captain Gmo a, a bad person? Um, well, looking back at when we were alive and working with him, we did, like, destroy a lot of people's lives. So... Him being our captain, he led us to do that, so probably he's a bad person, yeah. Not us, though. And Captain Rhubarb Beard calls over from the other ship, and he's like, I mean, he was a GMO, so... <laughs> <laughs> captain Rhubarb Beard, um, I gotta be honest, I don't know what's next for you. Uh, we learned our lesson by not fighting our regrets, and then we blew yours up with cannonballs. And he, you notice uh, the rhubarb that is coming from his chin has started to turn to uh, regular hair, just this big old bushy beard. His skin is still kind of golden brown, but it is not from uh, the broiling of an oven, but rather from the tanning of the sun. And he says, Hey, I didn't kill my regrets. You killed my regrets for me. So I think I'm scot-free. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like quite the loophole. Isn't it, though? It's almost like somebody just made this all up. <laughs> well, I suppose we should keep sailing forward then. And that you do. You sail forward through the corridor in the falling coconut. You sail forward physically and you sail forward metaphorically moving on to greater things with your lives, putting behind your life of piracy and of, you know, just being bad people and you ought to be good people instead. And that is where we're going to conclude the story of Desert Island. Their hearts now proved in soulful war. Drink up, young lad, drink up. Survivors sail to brighter shore. Drink up, young lad, and sing. But those who failed shall ne'er be free. Drink up, young lass, drink up. They're prisoners to the root beer sea. Drink up, young lass, and sing. Slicing through the bubbling foam, our course is set for home, sweet home. Fill your mug in the breaking waves, we'll toast the root beer sea this day. Thanks for joining us here in our uh, our morality play campaign, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll be back next month with more adventures in a brand new setting. If you want more, go ahead and subscribe. Maybe even give us a review. We would be as happy as an arbiter of justice who was able to tell his friends that they're okay and was able to tell his enemies to go and just stick it where the sun don't shine. <laughs> if you would go ahead and give us a positive review on your podcatcher of choice. 
We're also on Twitter at Improv Tabletop. If you'd like to suggest either a setting for us to play in, we need new setting coming up. Or if you'd like to suggest an aspect for one of our characters to use, we need some new aspects for our characters. Uh-huh. Just tweet about us using hashtag ImpTab setting or hashtag ImpTab aspect. Or if you're more into Instagram or Facebook, you can comment on one of our posts there using those same hashtags. Let's do a round of plugs. Uh, it's been a while since I've mentioned it, but the other podcast that I'm in, uh, the D&D 5th edition podcast, I Cast Fireball, is moving forward at a wonderfully steady rate. Uh, I'm very pleased with the story that we're putting together and with the effort that my friends are putting into editing and producing that show. So go check that out, I Cast Fireball. Evan, what you got going on? So I'm going to be honest, um, I've never been on a podcast before uh, uh, or like I'm I'm not really an online creator, so I'm not sure if this is tacky, but I'm just going to straight up beg uh, for fan art because uh, as of recording this, guys, we don't have any. And I would love to see a polar bear standing triumphantly on the bow of a ship blasting a beam of energy straight out of her neck to disintegrate a giant pirate woman made of candy. I would like for nothing more than to see that in a beautiful piece of artwork that one of you I know out there can create. So if any of you are artists, please, please tweet us a picture of that moment because I need to see it. I mean, it probably is tacky, but I'm going to be tacky too. Please make that happen. That's, I, I don't have anything to plug. That's all I got. Just, I want that. <laughs> nice. Uh, Christian, what's going on in your world? Um, well, after a litigious week following my new company that involved post-mortem pastries, um, I have decided to start a firm, a uh, law firm. It is called Rep Yourself, and uh, what we do is we go ahead and we get you a, it's a single book, well, it's more of a pamphlet, but it is a pamphlet I wrote, so it's quite valuable, uh, and it tells you everything you need to know to represent yourself in your own cases. It does not have a great track record, but it also has a very small sample size, so it has that going for it. Um, yeah, go ahead and sign up, and we will uh, get a larger sample size, hopefully raise some numbers of cases won. Uh, but I think it's got a bright future. I can literally guarantee that the more of you out there that buy his pamphlet, the larger the sample size will become. That is a guarantee. <laughs> that is a 100% guarantee. Ah, uh, yes. Rep yourself before you wreck yourself, TM, TM, TM. McKenna, what you got going on? As we all know, it is currently spring outside. And for many individuals... Uh, your eyes are half shut, your throat is closed up, and your nose can't breathe out of it. So, uh, I had another little invention idea while watering my plants and receiving pollen in my entire body to create little tiny uh, microscopic sword eyelashes. So they attach onto your real eyelashes, and then when you blink, they slice through all of the pollen in the air that's trying to get into your eyes and like basically kills it. So that way the pollen doesn't kill you. So we're calling it the fallen pollen. Cause like your enemies, once you kill them with swords, they are now fallen. Our uh, intern created that idea. Her name is Kelly. Um, she is single. Uh, if anybody out there is interested, let her know. We start our GoFundMe for it next Thursday. So check it out on my Twitter feed. 
and give it a give it a little bit of money and so we can actually uh make some that don't slice into your eye yeah not having lacerations in my eyes sounds like a, an enjoyable thing i mean it's a price you pay to not have to itch your eyes because of pollen just make sure you don't forget and then reach up to rub your eyes because then you're just gonna like slice the side of your finger up something good yeah that's the problem we've been running into so the let me get this straight the price to pay for not having itchy eyes with pollen is to have literal swords in your eyes. I know it sounds crazy. No, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about it. I was just clarifying. Yeah, no. I no, think no, Kelly no, no. is a genius and it was a right move for you to hire her. Yeah, no, she's just an intern, not getting paid yet. We'll see after, you know, the testing goes. But yeah, she she has a wonderful mind and any of our listeners would be lucky to date her. Oh my gosh. Imptab dating service coming <laughs> to a theater near you. There's a plug for the week. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, thanks for joining us here in the world of Dessert Island. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by Evan Peterson, growing week by week, but only in the game. Christian Randall, the justly dead. And McKenna Steele, the one with the constantly guilty conscience. Much love and stuff. We'll catch you next week on Improv Tabletop.